1: All right, EJ. We're back in our comfort zone this week. We are talking about uh, a lot of young, exciting players that we have hopelessly fallen in love with, especially rookies. Uh, it's our favorite thing to do, and I know that we uh, we have draft season, we have off season, we have all that kind of stuff. But seeing them live and actually hitting full speed, catching full speed, running full speed, and dominating and doing what we thought they would do, and making us somewhat look smart for once i'm excited
0: it's confirming priors season and there is nothing (laughs) wrong with that nothing wrong with that i see people all the time like it's only good if it confirms your priors hey if i confirm my priors it means i was right and yes i'm gonna take a lap for that because there are plenty of times my priors don't get confirmed and everybody else's too but We've done nothing wrong, and we are going to be hopelessly excited about this because that is one of the great things about growing the league and seeing the new wave of young talent enter, play well, uh, make noise, even if it is in the preseason. This is the time for them to make noise. Yes, we know that doesn't always translate to regular season impact. In fact, often does not translate to huge regular season impact. It is rare that rookies come in and really shift the balance of power. That's okay. We're going to get excited about it anyways.
1: By the way, I know this episode is titled "Winners and Losers." And uh, you know we were, we were talking about it, we were discussing it. We don't have any any losers as players or teams because quite frankly, we want we want to be positive today. We want to talk about great things we've seen. So I, I think I speak for both of us when I say the true preseason losers are all of our families that are about to lose contact with us for the next six months. <laughs> They're not going to see us anymore. We're going to be hiding in our cave, watching every game possible. We had a great summer. We had a fantastic spring. But EJ football season's back, so sorry. The heart wants what it wants, and what it wants is an unreal amount of football until February i i don't know what you're talking about i do not resemble that remark i mean
0: (laughs) mostly um no i am tuning up for season that means regular season podcast that means getting wildly excited about young players that means uh ninkasi brewing's solar cruiser pale ale uh, which is a recent find for me 5.3 by volume um has some paddle borders on it and a nice sunset uh but yeah we're we're doing the bootleg thing we're having a couple of drinks, talking about football, and, you know, generally enjoying ourselves. And that's that's pretty much the brand. Oh, Di- speaking of enjoying maybe. yourself. Yeah,
1: I'm embracing summer. It's still rum season. I'm getting the most out of it while well, I still can. Diplomatico, one of my favorite sipping rums. I mean, you can make a cocktail out of it for sure, but I don't know. Yeah, but I you can
0: make a meat. cocktail out of a pretty average rum. <laughs> it's
1: like putting a sipping... gold flake on a steak. Like, sure, you could, but, you know, why? Why bother?
0: Yeah, don't don't waste it for that when it's good enough to be had by itself. Um, speaking of rums, I actually ran it. Summer must almost be over because my very large bottle of Bacardi Limon that I bought last summer just ran out. So no more Diver Downs. So that means summer's over, right? Just get a new one. Right. Extend summer. Excellent idea. I think I'll get on that.
1: <laughs> uh, all right. Let's just get to the winners and losers. What yes. What I think people came here for. Yeah. Let's Again, do that. structurally, we're talking about uh, five winners, technically speaking, five winners on offense, five winners on defense. EJ and I each have two, and then we collaborate on one overarching winner for offense and defense. And these can be mostly players in some cases. It can be situations or pairings or duos, anything like that. We'll get back to the show in just a second, but really quick, fall is the start of the busy season for a lot of different small business owners, obviously including EJ and myself there too, because our business is literally football. And if you yourself are also a small business owner and you need to hire on some extra help this fall, LinkedIn jobs will help you find the candidates that you wanna talk to the most faster than ever before. Every single week, nearly 40 million job seekers visit LinkedIn, so if you're hiring, that is the place you wanna be. You can create a job posting in just a couple of minutes on LinkedIn jobs to reach not just your network, but the whole LinkedIn network of over 800 million people. And you can even use tools like screening questions to try to narrow down and filter your search as much as possible. So if you've been trying to hire someone for a while and you're not having any luck, try posting that job for free at linkedin.com bootleg. Again, linkedin.com slash bootleg and you can post that job for free. Terms and conditions apply. Thank you again to LinkedIn for sponsoring today's show. And with that, let's get back to it. So I'm going to start off with my offensive winners and losers. I went with two receivers, and believe me, you look at our honorable mentions list, there was a lot of running backs and offensive linemen and tight ends to also pick from. Brian Robinson Jr. might actually be the starter in Washington already, supplanting Antonio Gibson. Khalil Shakir's been awesome. Cam Jurgens has been great. Kenny Pickett. You know, we talked about him in, in the Young Quarterback episode. Uh, Alec Pierce has been Alec as Pierce. advertised. <laughs> He's awesome. Taquan yeah. Thornton has surprised a lot of people. I mean, they fucking ran duo behind him, using him as a quasi-fullback just because they could. And, oh, by the way, he runs 4-3. Ed Ingram has been rock solid like we thought he would. Luke Fortner has been great. Isaiah Likely has been phenomenal. Kyle Phillips, uncoverable. There's a lot of great young rookies that you could throw in here. But for me, the two receivers that I really wanted to talk about the most were George Pickens from uh the Steelers and Eric Azukama, who most people are not paying attention to right now from the Dolphins. Pickens, much higher round pick. I thought he would should have been a top fifteen pick in the draft. Fell because of I'm assuming injury issues, you know, with the knee. People were wondering what was going on with that. I think he went in the second round uh to the Steelers because of that. But I mean, he walked in there from day one and has not just been the number three. He's arguably been their best receiver in camp in the preseason. So I think, and we've talked about this in other episodes, I think the notion that Deontay is absolutely going to be the overwhelming number one there and that Chase is going to be the number two in the big slot and that Pickens is going to be the third guy, yeah, no, probably not. I think Pickens is going to end up minimum the number two. And by the end of the year, he could he could compete for being the guy there, especially depending on who the quarterback is. So Pickens is amazing. He's as good as we thought he was going to be. That's not surprising in the least. And Eric Ozakama, and I'll give EJ even more credit than me on this one. Like I I got to him in April and I really, really liked him. EJ got to him, I think in February and he was bugging me for weeks. Gotta watch him. Gotta watch him. Gotta watch him. I finally got to him. was like, okay, I a hundred percent see it. When he got to Miami, You and I both immediately said he is going to be different than every other receiver they have in that receiving core, which means he's going to have a role because he's different. He's a bigger body, great contested catcher. They had a lot of guys who could work in the slot, but not necessarily as that classic big slot. You know, the guy where you're running fades to out of those reduced splits over and over, and he's just going to go win, which is one of the best balls two has got in his bag, by the way, is those slot fades. Eric Izukama is that guy, but he's not just that. Like he's winning on, you know, you put him at X and say, go win on the slant against press. He's doing that. He's really finding his way in terms of reading coverage and settling in between zones. He's winning his one-on-ones. He's doing everything to the point where I know they brought in Cedric Wilson. You and I love Cedric Wilson. I think Izukama is going to end up as their number three and a more productive number three than you think as a rookie That was a day three pick. He's awesome. And so I want to give you your flowers for for pointing that out in fucking February that this day three receiver is awesome. But he absolutely is. When I started looking at him, he wasn't a
0: day three receiver. So... His estimated draft position when I watched him, and this is not a I found him first, pound the table moment. I am always hesitant to say that because I never find anybody first. There are people that study these folks when they're freshmen. I don't have time to do that. Do I know about freshmen that go off in college football? Sure. Do I study them? No. And that's different. So I'm never going to pound the table and say first. This isn't about first. This is about when I got to him, I went, this is a guy – that can play period like this is a player he should be drafted so then i went and looked up his at that point average draft position in mock drafts and it was very early and it was like 270 or 320 depending where you look which is U- well UFA. undraftable yeah. <laughs> like that is an undraftable free agent and i was like huh what did I miss? So I reached out to a couple of people I know that do draft analysis and do get more access to the background stuff than I do the personal stuff, legal stuff, medical stuff, and said, and what am I missing here? Does this guy have a bulky knee? Did he assault somebody we haven't heard about? Like I said, no, he's got a pretty clean sheet, which means no red flags that they knew about that were you know significant in terms of affecting his draft status and i was like well what then because if he has tape that looks like this in a clean sheet why is nobody talking about him which is when i started bugging you about him and other people and one of the people i reached out to in the league i said pay attention to this guy like i you know don't know what staff thinks about in terms of roles they need and of course what's going to happen with all the free agency but like pay attention this guy can play and he's going to be a value because right now nobody even has a draftable grade so late round flyer like do that between the time i did that initially it was about six weeks uh before draft time give or take a little more he went from 270 or in some cases well into the 300s to 170 like 125 point jump in four or five weeks. Now there's a bunch of different reasons that that happens, but I couldn't be happier for what he's put on paper and what he's put on tape on grass really in Miami, because it's been even better than what I expected. I really liked him. Like I was higher on him, bang the table for him more than almost anybody I know. And he's exceeded even that. Like you said, he isn't just winning the way he won in college at Texas tech. He's winning in other ways. And that is really good news for the Dolphins. Uh, maybe not for having spent a bunch of money on Cedric Wilson, when you know you've got a player that's going to create those kind of opportunities for himself at a much more reasonable cost. It's not a bad thing. It's a good problem to have. You can run out Ced Wilson as your four, which is an embarrassment <laughs> if he's your of four, riches. You're, yeah.
1: you're doing okay. Yeah.
0: So this isn't about first. It's about man. He's really good I said he was good he's been even better and that's exciting
1: one thing really quick today's episode is sponsored by upside for every purchase you make on gas groceries or even dining out all of which are obviously incredibly expensive these days upside will help you earn cash back on those purchases In particular for me, I go all the way from the ass end of Orange County out to LA at least once a week, and I'm about to be driving even more than that soon because of all the travel to training camps and games that I'm doing. So the cash back on gas in particular is very valuable to me, just like I'm sure it would be valuable to a lot of you as well. On the app, all you have to do is claim an offer for whatever you're buying on Upside, check in at the business, pay as you normally do with your credit or debit card, and then you get cash back. It's very easy to do, so if you want to try out Upside for yourself just to make your purchases hurt as little as humanly possible these days, you can use promo code BOOTLEG and get $5 or more cash back on your first purchase of $10 or more. Again, that is promo code BOOTLEG for $5 or more cash back on your first purchase of at least $10. Thank you again to Upside for sponsoring today's show, and with that, let's get back to it. I just think this this rookie receiving class has... Not just met, but exceeded expectations so far. And not just the top guys, but yeah. that second and third layer too. There is uh, there is a remarkable amount of snaps that this receiving core is going to get as rookies. All the way from the first rounders down to the fifth rounders. You look at like guys like Kyle Phillips we mentioned. A lot of really, really, really good receivers. And maybe the best one I didn't even mention yet because he's one of your top two picks.
0: Yeah, Sky Moore is on my list, and I don't think we've gone a day. We've talked about this in previous podcasts. I don't think we've gone a day without a Sky Moore highlight out of KC. He is rapidly gaining what I would consider a preeminent role in KC's receiving core. He is building a chemistry that is undeniable with Patrick Mahomes. He is creating yards with those opportunities, whether they be throwing opportunities or whether they be jet motion, whether they be toss sweeps. They've used him in a lot of different ways, and you're going to see production out of him, even in an offense that spreads it around. Mahomes and Andy Reid will spread it around. They will hit the open receiver. They're famous for that. Travis Kelsey's still going to get his chunks. But everybody was like, Tyreek Hill, they're not going to be able to function without Tyreek Hill. I'm not saying that Sky Moore is Tyreek Hill. He's not. He has a different skill set. One of my favorite things about Sky Moore is he went 100 miles an hour every snap in college. And I mean every snap. And that's really rare. A lot of people say that about players. Very few players actually do that. Sky Moore goes 100 miles an hour every snap. Pass blocking doesn't matter, run blocking does that too. Short routes, overs, fakes right where he's clearly a decoy down the field. He's given a true release, a punch into the chest of the defender and racing down the sideline looks no different than an option, you know, a play where he's the option number 1 supposed to get the ball. All that's translating in Kansas City. We're seeing all of that and he's going to have a greater share than you think he's going to have in Kansas City. He is going to be the preeminent receiver as a rookie in what is a very veteran and established offense that's not common sky Moore's not common again he's exceeding expectations we we loved him we thought he was really good he's done even better than that so he's super exciting and added to this bulk of the receiving core there's no other way to say it when we were talking about honorable mentions khalil shakir Alec Pierce has been exceptional for Indianapolis. Tyquan Thornton has exceeded expectations in New England. Isaiah Likely, yeah, he's a receiver. I don't care what you want to call him. He's a receiver, (laughs) and he's doing great. Kyle Phillips, we loved and did a thing on bootleg football clips about after the Shrine Bowl. Like You add all that into the bucket, this is an extremely talented receiving class, and we haven't even talked about everybody yet. So Really exciting there. My other player is Damian Pierce, who is running back for Houston. Everybody said, well, he's going to be behind Marlon Mack. Well, that was a reasonable expectation. He, from the moment he has hit the ground in Houston, has been sort of bucking that trend and saying, no, I'm going to be the number one and I'm going to be really good. I'm going to be super productive you posted other facets of his game we all know he's a super tough guy one of his famous runs in college was without his helmets or after his helmet had been removed uh forcibly <laughs> let's put it that way you put up a pass blocking rep where he's giving linebackers the absolute business i Not said when, the, he gave him a spine buster straight yeah, up <laughs> he is another 100 mile an hour all the time guy didn't get as many opportunities at florida and that really frustrated the Florida faithful because every time he got a chance he basically had a 50-50 split with their other running back but every time he got a chance he did more with his than the other guy did with theirs and yet coaching staff wouldn't give him the balance of carries I don't think we're going to see that in Houston I think the coaching staff will give him the balance of carries and will be rewarded when he was drafted on a live stream I said he will be one of the top 10 running backs in the NFL within two years. And a lot of people raise their eyebrows out there. They're like, Whoa, mm. tell me where you are midseason If he stays healthy, <laughs> like tell me where you are on that statement midseason If he stays healthy, I think you'd be right there with
1: me. He's definitely going to get the opportunity. You know, there, there's in terms of backfields that are paved the way for somebody to start in a committee and then take over the committee. Uh Houston's it. They don't have a whole lot of, of top flight running back talent. In fact, they probably have the least amount of it in the league. So if there's anywhere that a rookie's gonna go in, especially a fourth round rookie, it's gonna go in and get even half the total touches, Houston's that place. Now as for Sky Moore, we've talked endlessly about how great he is. You know, we've talked about you know predictions for rookie of the year and everything like that. I wanna talk about the fact that there was so much pressure on that pick after the Tyreek trade mm-hmm. because we looked at that receiving core and we're like, Oh my God, there's, there's nothing left. We, we could potentially looking at, you know, MVS being the number one here. There was an unbelievable amount of pressure for them to nail whatever their receiver pick was going to be in the draft. Cause we knew it was coming and they nailed it. And so in terms of the the necessity of finding a guy who could play immediately and then managing to do it hats off to the chiefs i mean that was a a true like indiana jones reaching under the wall collapsing for his hat moment like you had to to nail it right then and there and they did so for a front office that desperately needed that pick congratulations to them for for making it and also same thing for houston like the roster was not in a place where they could afford to have a bad draft and they had one of our favorite drafts in this class. The Damian Pierce pick was one of the reasons they had the favorite draft in this class because they needed they needed a running back, quite frankly, but they, the roster was not in a place where they could use a top three-round pick on a running back, so they just had to hope that somebody like Damian Pierce would even be there in the first place. Luckily, and I emphasize the term luckily, he fell. You could have easily argued for him to be a back half of the second, early third-round pick, He just happened, by the grace of God, to fall to round four, and they got him. So, again, great draft for both of these front offices for teams that, for different reasons, needed to have great drafts desperately, and they were able to do it. One quick thing, and then we'll get right back to the show. A lot of you guys listening, just like us, are longtime Manscaped users. There's six million men in this country that use Manscaped, and a lot of which watch this show. And because the Venn diagram of our audiences is basically a circle at this point, Manscaped wants you all to know that they've released the 4.0 version of the Perfect Package. I've used them since all the way back at 1.0 when they weren't even sold in stores yet, so I personally know how far they've come. And inside the new and improved Perfect Package, you've still got the Lawnmower 4.0 trimmer, which of course has ceramic blades, skin-safe technology to kind of reduce nicks and cuts, a 7,000 RPM motor and LED spotlight, and it's waterproof. There's also the weed whacker for ear and nose hair trimming, and it also comes with the crop preserver ball deodorant and crop reviver. Plus there's manscaped boxers and a travel bag as free gifts included in the package. If you want to try out the perfect package for yourself to cover all of your different grooming needs, you can get a 20% off discount plus free shipping with code bootleg at manscaped.com. Again, that is 20% off, plus free shipping with promo code bootleg at manscaped.com. Thank you to Manscaped for partnering with us once again, and with that, let's get back to the show. Uh, And speaking of that theme, by the way, of teams that desperately needed to have a good draft and had it, the Seahawks, because they didn't have a, a, a super deep, talented roster, that's why they traded Russ in the first place, they weren't ready to compete, he wanted out, They obliged. They needed to nail this draft in order to create as good of an environment as possible to bring in, whether this year or next year, a young quarterback that can pick up that mantle. They also nailed this draft when they absolutely needed to. And our collaboration pick for preseason winner on offense is actually two players. And it's Charles Cross and Abe Lucas. We've seen a lot of teams draft bookend tackles or what they hope will be bookend tackles. And you know, you guys, they end up starting both of them together at some point. How often do you see not just drafting two tackles that will play for you in the same class, but play well for you in the same class. I can't remember the last time I saw a team do that. And specifically for Charles Cross, he's one of only two tackles in the entire league right now that have played Uh, If I recall correctly, it's played over 40 snaps without allowing a pressure in the entire league. He is phenomenal. He is everything that they hoped he would be. And remember, that's one of the picks they got back in the trade for Russell Wilson from Denver. They needed a franchise left tackle. They got one. But they also needed a right tackle, too. And they ended up getting a monstrously athletic Abe Lucas in the third round, who we know had a lot of potential, and we hoped that he could get there. He's already looking like he's getting there. So it's not just the fact that they drafted two tackles that will start. It's that they drafted two tackles that will start and start and play well. That is rare, and I can't remember the last time a team did that.
0: And the amount of value that that gives to a team tackle doesn't matter left or right anymore. Tackle is a premium position. It's a premium draft position capital position, and it is a premium dollar position in both free agency, franchise tag, however you want to measure it. It is a premium position. You needed two. You needed a left and a right, and you got both on rookie contracts, and they're playing well already, not even out of their first preseason. Cross has been technically proficient. His hands and his feet welded together. He was one of my top tackles in this draft. I really liked the way he played and he's played if anything even better since hitting the Seahawks. Lucas was super athletic had some really good pass sets against great rushers in the Pac-12 in college. I worried about his ability to handle power sometimes and a lot of people worried about his run blocking because oh he's an air raid guy. I understand that. Just because a guy doesn't do something in college doesn't mean he can't do it and he has come out and buried guys in the run game, in the preseason. This guy is a Slayer fan. He is all about it. He wants to, and now he gets the chance to, and he's showing out. So if you grab a pair of starting bookend tackles that are going to play well, who are both on rookie contracts. If you weld that together, it's basically like nailing a quarterback pick in terms of what it saves you on the cap or allows you to do within that window when they're both on rookie contracts if this works out for the Hawks and it sure looks like it's doing that on early returns, it is a massive win for John Schneider and Pete Carroll.
1: Especially because, okay, let's just say the offensive line is not even great, but just above average this year, which if you have book good book in tackles, yeah, your line's probably going to be above average. And then you got DK and you got Lockett and we like what some of their other young receivers are doing. You got a talented tight end, Noah Fant. You got some running backs that we really like that's a pretty attractive destination for let's just say there's a veteran free agent quarterback that maybe doesn't like his current environment that wants out and wants to go to a new team well Seattle all of a sudden is a lot more attractive than they were a year ago which is the reason why Russ wanted out in the first place you know you never know when there's going to be a capable veteran quarterback available we've seen it happen multiple times over the last few years matt ryan was available tom brady of course is available matt stafford was available um it's it's kind of a recurring trend that's happening in the nfl where where quarterbacks are embracing mobility and saying i want to go where i can win we don't know where the next one's going to be but if this trend holds there's going to be one somewhere and Seattle's building a pretty good destination to woo them. Their array of weapons is pretty damn
0: impressive, and it's better than people think. Uh, and we've talked about this at length in the off season. Um, you know, with Russ leaving, it was all about whether or not Russ was going to leave. Not only for the picks you get back and the the team building implications, but all for, also for the offense they ran. At this point in his career, Russell Wilson runs the Russell Wilson offense. And the offense that I saw at the preseason game last week when I went and watched the, the Bears play the Seahawks was not the Russell Wilson offense. So that brings other players that we've been excited about in the past sort of back into preeminence, like Colby Parkinson had some really nice seam receptions, mm. which we got excited about. They weren't going to throw those. They certainly weren't going to get past a player like Noah Fant. You know, one receiving tight end was going to be enough. If you have two, plus DK, plus Lockett, plus an extremely deep backfield that not enough people are talking about. Like DJ Dallas, Travis Homer have both looked really good. They've got Kenneth Walker. Yeah, I know he's got a groin thing, but you got a backfield of like Kenneth Walker III, DJ Dallas, and Travis Homer, plus the weapons on the outside, plus a deep tight end room that wasn't used, and now you have an offensive line in front of that? Yeah, it starts to feel like Denver did to us a couple of years ago. Where we're like, man, they're a quarterback away from really, like, making a jump.
1: I just had a thought, not to get too far off track. Uh, you plug Tyler Huntley in behind this young offensive line with those weapons, or and with that defense with Clint Hurd, and and, and yeah. I mean, we went over their whole defensive staff. Tyler Huntley on that team. I'm not so sure they don't make the playoffs because Tyler Huntley's look fucking awesome. You want you want to go a step further? What's that?
0: The guy ahead of Tyler Huntley.
1: You know, I didn't I, I was trying to just allude to it because the thought I was, of I thought Baltimore about it letting it three Lamar minutes walk ago, away. I was
0: like, so what if it turns ugly? I don't think it will. Caveat. I do not uh, yes. think Lamar is leaving Baltimore. Don't get all hot and bothered in the comments. I don't think it's going to happen, but as you said, you know, weirder things have happened. Lamar goes, "Forget it, you're not gonna, you're not gonna pay up." And Seattle goes, "Yo, <laughs> first, <laughs> like come here and uh, look." That would be, I mean, I we both love Tyler Huntley. We loved him pre-draft. He's done nothing but exceed our expectations since hitting the league. Yeah, that would be great. That would be the sort of low end. A a top end starter coming loose is going to look at this destination and go, they can win right now. Like, they're all set. And I'm probably not going to get killed because the line is good and improving. That's a very potent recipe for luring talent.
1: I will give the odds that Lamar leaves Baltimore at 5%. And I'll give the odds that Baltimore trades Lamar to Seattle at 1%. But I'll tell you what. The odds that I thought Russ was leaving Seattle two years ago were about the same as that, so you never know. Yeah, the, never. The know. NFL's fucking crazy. Either way, they're building a great foundation for whoever ends up starting there. All right, let's get to defense. Again, a lot of options here. Some honorable mentions that we love. Jordan Davis, who I think very easily could compete for Rookie of the Year. Derek Stingley's look phenomenal. George Kaloftis has been a wrecking crew. Travis Jones has looked great. Channing Tyndall, by the way, speaking of Dolphins rookies, they had a very small class, but they seem to have nailed it. Tyndall's looking awesome. Marcus Jones has looked great. Also, honorable mention to Jack Jones as well, the other Jones rookie. <laughs> Keeping up
0: world. with the Joneses, we got Travis, exactly. we got Jack, and we got Marcus.
1: <laughs> all of them, all of the Joneses. All the Martin Jones. Emerson, uh, one of one of EJ's favorites, has looked good. Chad Muma has flashed a lot. Quay Walker, great linebacker class. And yet, I had to narrow it down to two. And so I ended up picking two guys that I had uh, easy first-round grades on, and Walker, I thought, was the easy first overall pick, and he he ended up did going first overall. So I have Trayvon Walker and Boye Mafe, two of the most talented edge rushers, not just in this class, but in any class. They are both incredibly physically gifted and also play slightly different positions. Walker is a guy where you can line him up basically anything from three out to a nine, and he's going to be great. On passing downs, it's probably the only time you play him at three, but he's a phenomenal run defender, so you want to put him at four-eye just like he did at Georgia. He can play like a traditional odd front defensive end. You want to get into tight stuff. You can play four-eye, take on double teams, all that shit for you. Most of the time, he's going to play either five or a heavy five, something like that, but on passing downs, he could also kick out to a nine. And he's got to get off in the bend for that, too. He could stand up. He could do three-point stance, four-point stance, anything. Drop him into coverage. I don't care. He is a unicorn athletically. And we are seeing the Jags use him like that. He's lined up everywhere. He's done a little bit of everything. And I think that what Trayvon Walker was at Georgia was just the great stabilizer. He was the guy who just set up all the pins for Tyndall and Roquan and all these linebackers, Nolan, all of them. He set up the pins. Everybody else knocked them down. Jacksonville, I think, is going to let him start knocking down some pins himself, and he is more than capable of doing that. So I'm extraordinarily excited to watch him there. And then Amafe was somebody who you and I both talked about having an unreal ceiling. Like, his first step is crazy. He did have a false step at the top of it when he was at Minnesota, but Clint Hurt seems to have already gotten rid of that, so he's not kind of doing that extra little, like, you know, plant your back foot and then push off on the front foot. He's already locked and loaded on the front foot, so when that ball is snapped, he is fucking gone. He is out of there. He is in the backfield. So eliminating that false step and kind of quickening his pace that way and, and, you know, helping him to really utilize that natural burst that he's got. Has already made a big difference. You know, he had two sacks in his first game. The first one, he just blew right by the tackle, did a nice little kind of chop move, and dipped around. And the second one, I thought was even just as impressive, where it was a bootleg, and you saw Kenny Pickett ironically have a welcome to the NFL moment against another rookie where he realized, like, oh, everybody's faster here. Oh my God, I can't just run away from people on boot because boy, Amafe stopped, turned on a dime, and just ran his ass down like a lion on the Serengeti. It was gnarly how fast he closed that gap and so Boye is an unreal athlete I think Clint Hurt is already starting to unlock that and get him from a a technique perspective to where he can really put that athleticism to use and I think him just being a rotational edge rusher is not going to last that long he's way too explosive to just be a rotational guy as a rookie eventually he's going to start and once he starts I don't think he's giving that job back
0: Seattle needed a guy that was going to be the straw, that stirred the drink in the pass rush. They needed an alpha athletic edge rusher who is a problem for opposing offenses. First snap against the Steelers, against Mason Rudolph, not the first snap overall, but the first snap Mason Rudolph was in the game, whooped the tackle and just chopped the ball out of his hand, strip sack. Like, first rep. Then later in the game, chase down Pickett, who is not slow. Like, Pickett has good wheels. He has underrated mobility. He's fast. And Mafez is faster. And just ran him down, dragged him down. It was impressive. Both of those came within the same half mafay is a guy who has a lot of tools needed some good coaching landed in a great spot and again if you're talking about rosters paving the way to playing time we talked about it with damian pierce at the running back spot for the texans it's the same with mafay at the edge spot for the hawks everybody's like oh daryl Taylor." i was like "Nope, different class of athlete Mafe is the guy that's going to earn those reps pretty quickly if he keeps developing as far as walker all those folks that really didn't know what Walker was or worse, tried to pigeonhole him and said, oh, he's just an edge. What are you doing at number one overall? No, he's already taken three T reps. He's already taken three tech reps for Jacksonville and, and looked real good doing it. The idea that he is limited to where you can play him based on his athleticism, his body type is ridiculous. He is super versatile. We're going to see him all over the place. He's going to have effect on opposing offenses from all those alignments. It's not like, oh, well, you can play him there, but you really shouldn't. Nope. Nope. Given the right situation, he's going to exert a ton of leverage against opposing offenses no matter where they line him up. So two extremely athletic guys as we'll just call them rushers. We're not going to call them edge rushers. They're just rushers. They're going to rush from everywhere. My two guys are both secondary guys. First one, no surprise to anybody who listens to bootleg. Sauce Gardner with the Jets. <laughs> Shocker. Shocker, <laughs> right? And, and shocking in the fact that it's not shocking. Like, no step has looked too big for him. No offense or receiver that he encountered in college, and he encountered a lot of the top ones, gave him any pause. Has looked calm, confident, smooth, composed, and in control of all those matchups comes into the pros you're like yeah but everybody we just talked about kenny pickett everybody in the pros is faster everybody in the pros is bigger you should somebody's gonna give you the business like nope he's just dominating everybody that's rookies whatever looking super smooth doing it like this he's that guy he is him he's got that dog in him whatever euphemism you want to throw in there like this is the guy he is who we thought he was he is a number one corner he is going to shut down the number one wide receiver and he's going to do it every freaking week and as long as he's healthy you're going to come to depend on that and literally sort of pin and pull your defense around that guy where you're like nope not worried about that we can designate guys to go take on other threats because sauce has got that he doesn't need any help the second one is jaquan brisker and yes i know he suffered the thumb injury I'm not super worried about it. Neither are the Bears. He did have surgery. He will be back this season. I don't see it slowing him down a whole lot. Easy for me to say. I don't have to deal with the pain and the rehab. But before that, Jaquan Brisker in one series in his first preseason game caused a three and out by himself. All three plays he made the play, and he caused a three and out by himself and looked completely (laughs) confident doing it and at that point it was like again that's not surprising based on his body of work on his tape at penn state like he was one of the more versatile safeties in this draft said it before he was drafted comfortable covering in the deep third very comfortable around the line of scrimmage being a sort of agent of chaos type player has effect in both phases has come in and immediately looks like that guy so it's more of a continuation a confirmation of, yep, that's what we thought. Yep. Still doing it in the pros looks every bit like he's not only going to be a starter, which really wasn't in question, but that he is going to be an impact player in short order. Um, and that's the confirmation you want to see. We know preseason is not the regular season, but what you want to see is guys that play physical and fast guys that do not look like they are overmatched mentally or physically, that the moment is not too big for them and that they make plays against what are usually backups right you want to see all those things and if you do those are the best signs you can get out of preseason is it a guarantee of success in the regular season of course not if you don't see those things might you start to worry you might but if you do see those things that's the confirmation you're going to get out of what the nfl preseason is
1: brisker uh not to drive it home too much but he reminded me a lot of the other Penn State safety that the Bears drafted once upon a time and Adrian Amos where if you remember when Amos first started I think he was like a fifth round pick or something he like that. was they got him at fifth round but you knew immediately like he's for real and that's what's interesting about you know pre-draft evaluation versus post-draft reality is once they're all on the field together it's not a projection like you can see can you play or not can you make plays or not? Do you belong or not? Amos showed immediately that it didn't matter what round he went in. Like, he he was that guy. And he's carved out a great career for himself because of that. How many fifth-round DBs end up starting as many games as him? Not many, let alone starting well. And Jaquan Brisker was a much more heralded safety prospect, went in the second round, not the fifth. But, again, immediately... Once he was on the field with everyone else, with other NFL players, the projection went out the window, and it was like, no, he's a top-level, top-flight, immediate starter making plays against other NFL players. Like, there was no no delay in terms of how quick he hit the ground and just kept on running. So Jaquan Brisker, you know, we said at the time we kind of expected this to happen just because of the kind of prospect he was, but he's that guy. He is, for me, he is like sauce, where it's like, he is him. There was no doubt about it from day one, starting caliber, top tier starting caliber safety. And to be perfectly honest, after that first game, I was like, I don't need to see anything else. And if, I, I kind of wanted him to just sit until the regular season started, but of course he didn't, and then he hurt his thumb, and <laughs> now he's injured. But after after that first drive, I really didn't need to see anything else. He was already that guy. So I love Jaquan Brisker. You know, hopefully the thumb doesn't affect him too much into the regular season um, because he he is a truly phenomenal player, at least so far. He's a phenomenal player. Uh, now, speaking of our collaborative pick, another safety in this class that you and I had high expectations for and then came in and immediately met them, Dax Hill in Cincinnati. You and I agreed he was an easy, like pretty much anywhere after the top 12 to 15 picks he could have gone to any of those teams and we would have been like sure fine totally totally cool he could have been nickel he could have been free safety he could have been strong safety you could put him at outside corner if you want to and he'd probably be fine he was just a do-it-all db in what we think is moving towards a more positionless era in terms of db play he was tailor-made for it ended up going to cincinnati they didn't necessarily need him for this year but considering the contract talks that are that are happening with jesse bates we figured okay well by 2023 they're probably going to need him so might as well draft him now and just like brisker from the moment he got on the field all projection went out the window and it became very clear this guy not just belongs but he's better than 75 percent of the other guys out there even as a rookie even in his first month on the job he is that type of player. The range is crazy. The closing speed is crazy. The ball skills. like They put him at free safety, which we knew that he could do it. But actually seeing it on an NFL field, seeing the range translate against NFL speed, where he's not just meeting the receiver at the ball. He's beating the receiver to the ball. It's different. He is so different to 95% of other safety prospects that come in the league. And I know it's a stacked roster. He might not be a starter this year, but on most teams he would be because he is fucking good.
0: I don't know that he won't be. I'm, I'm not so sure about that. I was more sure about that post draft. We said that we said, well, again, they don't need him this year. He, he's definitely going to play some, but we'll see how much. After watching the immediacy of his decisions, the immediacy of his break, the immediacy of his impact, and just the very few opportunities we've had to see him so far throughout camp of the preseason, I'm not so sure that you – it's just one of those guys, right? Yes, we don't need him. How do we keep him off the field? When he's on the field, he does that does the other guy that's taken up that spot do that? And the answer for most players, like you said, 70, 75% of the players is, nah, man, he doesn't, he doesn't do that that often. And and Dax does it (laughs) like all the time. And it is interesting that they've already played him deep because one of the things about Dax Hill is he's extremely versatile. Like you said, he could have been nickel. He could have been star. He could have been, you know, box safety. He probably could even play a little bit outside corner. Like you said, But it was all, there was a bias towards being closer to the ball. We knew that he had the physical skills to play deep third, but he didn't have that many reps in college at deep third. He had some, more than some other folks, more than like Jalen Petrie, but not nearly as many as somebody like Jaquan Brisker. So there was this projection, like everybody's like, well, Jesse Bates is going to go out and Dax Hill is going to go in. And it's like, well, that's not for sure because they do different things. Like Dax is a really good player and a really good athlete, but he doesn't have near as much experience as Jesse Bates does in the deep third, where he is awesome. One of the top three or four safeties in the NFL in that position. He goes in, they play him in the deep third and he's anticipation uh, you know, mental anticipation, physical burst, and, again, beating the receiver to the spot to get the ball. Like, okay, I guess he can do that just as well as everything else, too. So with all that said, with all that talent, with all that burst and impact wrapped up in one player, it's going to be hard to keep him off the field. Like, as the season goes on, injuries or not, his snaps are going to increase. The coach is just going to see it on tape and be like, we need that out there like take that and add it to the already stacked offensive and largely defensive roster. And you got one more reason to win a couple games. And when you're talking about a team
1: like Cincinnati, that's a huge deal. The hard part is just figuring out exactly what spot every single safety for them would play because Jesse Bates does all that same stuff that. Yeah. You're not taking him off the field. No, (laughs) you know, and Von Bell, like I, in terms of, Vaughn, he's not as rangey as the other two, but he's also a really good blitzer. He's a good tackler. Mm-hmm. He's great in the run game. So it's like I, I kind of like the idea of dropping him down low, but, uh, man, Dak is a blitzer. Like Dak's closing speed as a pass rusher off the edge, like we saw it at Michigan, he's nuts there too. So it, I, I have no idea where they're going to fit all together. What I do know is I hope they find a way. And I, I think that uh, Lou Anarumo, who's their who's their DC, is going to have a blast just figuring it out because he has three really good safeties. And at corner, like at, that's the thing is, if you put him at nickel, like it's so easy to say, I'll oh, just put him at nickel. It's like, well, they got Mike Hilton too, so it's like, do you want to take Mike Hilton off the field? Or, you know, I don't know. I can't figure it out, but I'm also not an NFL defensive coordinator, so it's not my job to figure it out. We'll just see what they do. Check back in October, and I'm sure they'll have an answer by then. But. Yeah, Dax Hill day 1 was nuts. Brisker day 1 was nuts. Sauce day 1 was nuts. This DB class, man. Like we had high hopes for it, but good lord. I think they're they're exceeding even our expectations, which is great. We love it when this much talent comes in the NFL, by the way. It makes it a lot of fun. It makes uh our, you know,
0: it makes our jobs a lot of fun, but it also makes the average NFL fan's viewing experience a lot of fun. We talked endlessly pre-draft about how this draft was huge because of the COVID bump. It was one of the largest draft classes in years. We talked about how starters would come out of the UDFA pool, but really it just even more so sort of pushed even more of that sort of cream to the top and players you're getting really through the first three and four and sometimes even five rounds are high quality starters because there's just so many of them. I'm thinking about uh, Dominique Robinson, who was not on this list, who's a fifth round pass rusher for the Bears, who has already flashed like plus athleticism, closing speed, like is going to be a rotational piece for the Bears. He went in the fifth. Is it because he's a fifth round player? No, it's because there were so many guys who were talented edges stacked above him that a player of his caliber was available in the fifth so the bears would have been silly not to pick him we're seeing that with the db class the edge class the DT class the receiver class that we talked about it's just cool for the league to get this massive influx of talent and for more rookies than are usual to make a big impact again the number of rookies that make a truly significant impact offense or defense in the nfl per year really low it's a handful on both sides of the ball that are true difference makers. Five, seven, maybe 10, like on each side of the ball. This year might be a little higher, might be 12, might be, might be 15, who knows, we'll see. But it's just cool to have that kind of anticipation and it gives teams a lot of flexibility as well to say, hey, if we don't sign Jesse Bates, it's okay, we got a Dax Hill we're not going to have a massive drop-off from one of the best players in the NFL if we have to let him go because we're going to pay X down the line. Like, that's, that's cool. And believe you me, Jesse Bates, if he leaves Cincinnati, we'll find a home and very quickly and be super well compensated because he's talent. And the NFL is a meritocracy. It loves talent. But this is just so cool to see this huge influx of really talented guys on both sides of the ball hitting the league it just makes for more exciting football.
1: Now, in terms of what's next for our uh, final, I guess you can call it off-season content, we do have our annual season awards prediction episode coming up next week. Uh, that's where we you know, predict not just division by division like we did over summer, but league-wide, who's our league MVP pick, offensive defense player of the year, rookie of the year, all that stuff. You know, We're picking conference championship matchups, Super Bowl winners, all that kind of stuff. We're saving that. For our annual season predictions award episode next week you know obviously we had uh the the young quarterback episode last week where we're focusing in particular on all of the 2021 and 2022 draft classes at quarterback plus davis mills on top of that as well he's kind of outside the top five but we needed to talk about him too so if you want to hear about the young quarterbacks go there if you want to listen to our season predictions go there when that's out and then we are hitting the regular season with a vengeance. We're going to have episodes every single week. We're going to have live streams every single week. We are doing an unreasonable amount of content this season. So stick with us for that. Uh, thank you once again. If you're sitting here at the end uh, for supporting us and listening, you can go to the Patreon. If you want to give to Patreon uh, and help us kind of, you know, do this for a living, we heavily appreciate that. Uh, to our executive producers on Patreon, Andrew, Murat, Consti, and Connor thank you once again for all of your support and uh, we'll see you all back here next week with the season awards prediction show and until then later take care